in theaters everywhere, actor Matthew McConaughey. All right, all right, all right. Gentlemen, start your engines. You're in the locker room with Tunch and Wolf. Presented by Neighborhood Ford Store. The Ford F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, here's Tunch and Wolf. Good morning, Steelers Nation, and welcome inside the locker room. Wesley Euler, Arthur Motes, Craig Wolfley with you once again here on this Tuesday. We are in three different locations. All right, so... <laughs> Wolf is at home. I'm in the producer booth. Moats is in the studio. Fellas, God be with us. Godspeed today. <laughs> <laughs> How we doing, gentlemen? You know, I got to tell you guys, I'm sitting there. I'm thinking about Arthur sitting in the studio by himself. A lot of buttons to push. Just a so lot lonely. Of to play around with. <laughs> so yeah, lonely. just lonely. And then, then you got we got Wes, who's got way too much to do all at once, right? <laughs> And then there's me sitting at home. I'm in my PJs, you know. Uh, yeah. I got my Winnie the Pooh pajamas on, you know. And I'm just sitting here and I'm, I got nothing going on, man. I mean, it's like crazy. I'm not going to lie. I'm a little jealous that you got Winnie the Pooh PJs. Like, I was a Winnie the Pooh guy. I'm just saying. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, Winnie the Pooh, there's something about the dude, you know. It's a nice life he's got going. Oh, no you know? question, man. <laughs> Do you think he's worried about COVID at all? You know, not a chance, man. He, he's worried about honey. and them guys. <laughs> Me and him all, we, we're always hunting the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. Oh, Wes, take us away, Wes, take us away. Well, Wolf, uh, you're lucky to be home in the PJs today because Moats and I are battling the elements here a little bit in the studio today. All right. I I have like stripped down. I've taken my jacket off. I got my pants rolled up because it's like a sauna in the producer booth in here. And then then Moats is like, he's bundled up like the little kids in Christmas story about to go out sled Hoodie, jacket, (laughs) scarf. It's like 40 40 degrees over there in the talk studio for some reason. (laughs) Well, I'm at room temperature and it's nice. <laughs> We're off and running in the locker room today, having some fun, having some laughs as always. 412 919 1316. You guys know the drill. If you want to get involved, we'll be here until noon. We will lead up uh, to the Mike Tomlin press conference. We will have that, of course, for you here on ESPN Pittsburgh and SNR and all across the Steelers radio network at high noon as Mike Tomlin. Uh, will address the media, give his final thoughts and and some always injury updates from from the previous game and look ahead to the Steelers' next opponent, who will, of course, be the Cleveland Browns this Sunday in Cleveland. Uh, Gentlemen, I'm sure that's one of the things that that Mike Tomlin is is going to discuss right away, their plan and, and what they want to do with some of the starters. And I'm sure we'll touch on that more as we go along. But where I wanted to start today, you know, I, I, I think we started to get into this a little bit yesterday, Wolf, and then we 
ended up spending a bunch of time talking about the quarterback, right? Because, you know, like Arthur Motes always says, I mean, we always end up talking about the quarterback and the offensive guys. Must be nice to be prom king all the Must time. Must be nice to be Jeez. prom king all the time. <laughs> Jeez. You know what I'm saying, Wolf? I, I, mean, I wish we were talking about offensive line all the time, you know? You deserve a little bit of conversation here. But, no, it's always I, quarterback, quarterback, <laughs> the blonde bomber, seven. What about 73? <laughs> can, can we say that? What about, what about, what about the, the bald guy. Can, can, can we go there? That's got to be the blonde bomber. But the, the round bald can guy. Can, can we hear me? Let, me, let me just say this. Let me say this, okay? I've never been a prom king, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I've never been part of any prom court, okay? Well, you would have had you know, my vote. How about that? All right? you, I would have voted for you. Yeah, well, me too. I, I, I remember. Even if I needed to. I will. Re- I do remember this when I was in Minnesota, because as you remember, the last two years of my career, I spent in Minnesota with the Vikes, right? Hey, hey we, we and all have to go camp- straight every once in a while. It happens. Oh, yeah. It happens. It, it happens. You got to finish up. You know? Get a little but retirement check. Had- I'm with it. In, in training camp, they had a contest, and you voted for the ugliest man in camp, and I was runner-up. <laughs> well, it, it's That's good to know right. you. But it's good to know you weren't the most ugly, right? If you, if well, you no, go, I wasn't the. I no, was yeah. the ugliest. Yeah, it, it's, it, you said you were runner-up, so it's kind of like you're like almost the worst. Right. You know. Well, I, I would say yeah. I, I'd say this. There was like three of us. We were the prom court, if you will. <laughs> three uglies, and then there was Brian Habib. Who was uh, like six eight, three hundred and twenty five pounds? He was uh, he was the uh, king ugly. <laughs> gotta put so a, there you go. You got to put a name on it. I mean, geez, I mean, poor yeah. guy. Oh, that's my buddy. <laughs> but, but, yeah. but if oh, you're yeah. gonna do, if you're gonna be like, at least be, I mean, go go all the way out with it. You know, it's, it's nothing against oh, it. Teach his own. I Whatever was you do, I didn't win, man. Whatever you, know, you I mean, do, be the best at something. it, right? That's I mean, right. right. There you go. Yeah, well, you know, like like Moats said, you know, we all strayed a little bit. You know, Wolf spent a couple years in Minnesota. Moats, ah, he started in Buffalo. We I, 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 went, I, no, no, no. I went to Pittsburgh West. I, I, I did yeah, a bit in Pittsburgh, went to West. Pittsburgh West. You know, <laughs> yeah. I was I was the opposite of you two. I, you know, I I went to the other I went to the other markets and then I came back. To, ah. Then I came back to Pittsburgh. And, and one of those markets that I, that I worked in before I was fortunate enough to come back home and back to my hometown uh, for work was was Cleveland. Um, and that's what we're going to hear Mike Tomlin talk about today is the Cleveland Browns. And, Wolf, I'm interested for your opinion mm. on this. This is the, uh, the thing that I, I wanted to talk with you about yesterday, but we didn't have enough time to get to. And, and I'm assuming Mike Tomlin will be asked about this if he doesn't address it. A uh, lot of talk yesterday and, and still this morning uh, amongst some of the people that cover the team, a lot of Steelers fans at large about the offensive line and Kevin Dotson's role. And is it time to move Matt Filer back to right tackle to sit down Chooks and to get Dotson in there full time? I just wanted your thoughts on that. Is it time to make that move in your mind? Is it too late in week 17 to, to shuffle the deck like that? What do you think about um, the potential to move Filer back out to bring Dotson in full time? You know, Wes, that's a great question and something I've been pondering over last night and this morning. Because I was trying to put myself in Sean Surrett's shoes, trying to put myself in, you know, Randy Feetner's and, and Matt Cannon and to Mike Tomlin thinking, how do you want to do this? Because breaking up a, a fivesome that is hung together pretty much hmm. throughout the year, except for the problems at left guard, um, that's, that's a tough thing to do on the eve of playoffs. Now, the problem is every time I think Kevin Dotson's been in, he's been part of a winning, uh, uh, you know, a winning format. And I, I don't know, he might have, I don't know if there was any losses. No, no, because he was in during all the, all, the, all the wins. So I look at this and I go, 
you know what, dead gummit, um, the kid provides the trapping game and on the poles, the search and destroy missions that you got to get on. He's, he's, he's got that down. You know, his pass protection is far better than I anticipated. His run blocking, I think, is pretty darn good. Matt Filer was excellent in, in so many ways, but I think he was not being used to his best uh, abilities at left guard. I think at right tackle, he's a longer body. He's a better drive man than a post man on the double teams. He doesn't see sometimes, I think, the second-level guys, the run-throughs, things of that nature. Um, I think he's better looking at the, the rush from an outside-in rather than an inside-out type of perspective hmm. on this on this twist. So having said all that, um, I like where Kevin Dotson is right now. If Matt Filer is able to come off, I'm indecisive yet as to what his role would be. I think he's got to be a starter somewhere, um, but I'm not sure where. Man, Wolf, you hit a ton of things on the head right there. And I, I do like what you said about Matt Filer not being used to the best of his ability because I'm a guy who was a, a, a little bit similar in situation where – you're kind of a tweener, right? You can play right tackle, which he can start at. He's shown right. that, but he also is capable of playing left guard. He can start there as well. Similar to how I could start at outside linebacker, which I did, and then started inside linebacker. Right. But the difference is me as an inside linebacker is good. Me as an outside linebacker, <laughs> I can do some special things. And when you think about right. Fowler, I think of him the same way. Him as a guard, it's good. It'll get you, you know, through a season. He, he can make plays there, but he can be special at right tackle. And I think that's something that I they're agree. definitely going to have to look at. But we do have the luxury of having a guy like Kevin Dotson on the roster, a guy that we've seen in stadium have success at not only left guard, but right guard. So you will have at least some options, some flexibility if you wanted to make that type of move going into the postseason or if you wait until the offseason to make a move like that. At least you know a lot of those pieces are already in-house. No question about it, Arthur. One of the things that, that it's key about it is how best to use the tools and attributes of someone. I, th I love the, the example you gave of yourself as inside linebacker and an outside linebacker. It's very true. And that's one of the things that you've got to be able to answer as an offensive line coach, uh, uh, as an offensive coordinator. But the problem here is this. Chooks, Chooks has played well, at times very well. Mm -hmm. But he also, in the running game, I think Matt gives a bigger boom, uh, a little more oomph uh, in the running game well, than we, does Chooks. And we both know Matt is built for that, though. Matt, Matt yeah. man, you talk about Absolutely. road grader. He is right. of the Ramon Foster Club, like big <laughs> yes. body guys that you're not just going to sit there and stonewall. You talk about set of edge against this guy. Even before Matt, and obviously I could speak on him because I, I was a part of his journey when he was on the practice squad and then obviously him making it to the active and being a starter. But even when he was struggling and he was in the developmental stages of his career as a practice squad guy, the one thing that he always had was pop on them run plays, man. He was going to make sure he hit you, drive those feet, and you're right. sitting there like, man, come on, dude. Like, you're making me look bad right here. Like, like that. he's always <laughs> had that in his game. Yeah. And now it's just the rest of it is caught up to that part. But I agree with you 100%, man. Matt is definitely built for that type of stuff. Yeah. It's, Go ahead, Wes. Yeah, I was going to say, it's, it's I guess, right, it's a better situation to be in for the Steelers, I think, than, than trying to juggle injuries, which, I mean, obviously they've done that on the offensive line this season as well, too. I wonder, Wolf, though, 
from you know from your experience, do you remember a situation like this where there was a personnel change this late in the season and it was not injury related? You know, uh, I'd have to get through my concussed, crushed synapse in my head, <laughs> and it I would put take you on the too spot a little bit to, with that one. I apologize. Yeah, you know, I know that we had a couple of situations where you know injuries. I remember when I got pushed out to tackle when all the left when all the tackles got hurt, and I was like this ain't fair. You know, <laughs> I, I'm a close quarter combat guy. All right. Arthur knows inside and outside games are two different animals. Mm-hmm. And the thing about inside, and especially back in the eighties and nineties, when I played guys were much more, it was a power game. It was about strong leverage, that sort of thing outside. It was speed. It was quickness. It was things of that nature. Um, and, and it, it was difficult, you know, I mean, for me going out to tackle, because, like, I was a puncher, but, you know, I was like a set your feet like a cannon and try to knock somebody's head off, try to knock them out. That's the way I was. Well, it doesn't work at tackle because if you <laughs> whiff, you're always you're you're always in the, you know, mm-hmm. trying to recover uh, part of it. And that's a problem. So, yeah, it's it's difficult. And to change right now, the problem, I, I, I can see Dotson coming in because he's doing a good job and everything. But at the same time, if you move Chooks out and you would put in, uh, you know, Matt, man, what's that say to the rest of the line? I don't know. And I will say this, uh, two things. I feel like it's an easier move to put Dotson in at left guard than I think yes. it would be to move Matt from left guard to right tackle during the season. Huh. couple reasons. Yes, that's a great – go ahead. And, and a couple you. reasons. Now, Wolf hit on this. He talked about the vision is different as a guard – Versus a tackle. As a guard, man, the things are going to be right in front of you. Sure. You're seeing more outside. You're, you're looking inside out, right? More right and yes. left. Whereas when you're at tackle, it's out. It's essentially half of the field. You're, you're looking at, you know, where your inside foot is out to the sideline. Obviously, safety's corners coming in and things like that. Similar as an outside linebacker versus an inside linebacker. As an inside linebacker, I have to see right and left. I have to see motions coming from both sides. It's more of a bigger picture. Whereas an edge rusher. Right. You're looking at it from half the field, so your reads are cut down. It's a lot different. And when you talk about just the muscle memory and training your eyes, when you have done one thing for, you know, three, four months now in a row, you're, you're, it's just the muscle memory takes. So when you get fatigued, you're going to naturally revert back to that. And to go from his eyesight being set for guard to now switching it to tackle, along with it being in the playoffs so you don't even get a warm-up game or a lighter competition, I think that can be really difficult and challenging for him. Not saying that he can't do it, but I think that you would really put him in a a very uh, disadvantaged state right there by doing so. I think that's well said, Arthur. Absolutely well said. Well, there it is. We we, we laid it all down there, fellas. Now all (laughs) all that's left to do is wait till Mike Tomlin, well, gives us the real verdict here (laughs) in about an hour and a half or so. The other thing we got to check on, too, is, well, would be the the shoulder of Kevin Dotson. Is it going to stand up? Because if this is a situation where it's a little touchy week in and week out, then give me Matt. You know, I'll be I'll be more than happy to take Matt, put him right there. But right now, as it stands with the, uh, uh, you know, the way Arthur stated it, I think that's exactly what I was thinking. I just didn't get to the crushed synapses fast enough. Um, I think it it absolutely (laughs) is about. Yeah, I mean, it's it's putting Matt at a disadvantage if you put him right in at right tackle, given the, the way that you're not able to have some of the, uh, you know, right. the, the backlog at that tackle position. 
Yeah, no, I, I like the like the example that Moats made of going from inside linebacker to outside linebacker. Maybe it's like to like playing playing on the outside versus slot corner, right? Yeah, like it's it's a it's a big difference, man. When you talk about, especially for players, players will really be able to understand this when you just talk about what you're seeing. A lot of times, as players, we always talk about your checklist of things, right? You obviously go through your your stance alignment, assignment, and things on that. But after that, once the play snaps, I'm asking you. What are you seeing pre-snap to post-snap? What are your progressions for your eyes? Are you looking, all right, as an edge rusher, am I looking at the the ball, then from the ball, I'm looking at the tackle's hips, and then from there, we're working his hands, and so forth and so forth. Each position has a progression. Each position has a natural order that your eyes go through pre-snap to post-snap. And it's just that simple, man. When you talk about doing something so continuous, so repetitive, Man, it's going to be super hard to break that or change that on the fly. That that's my biggest thing, man. Just knowing once you get tired, because every player gets tired, it happens. It's you know right. some players can play a little bit better through it than others. But once you get tired, we all go through the same thing. Of your mind sometimes shuts off and it goes into cruise control. What have you been taught? What have you been trained to do? We talk about shooting our hands every snap. Trust me, you're not thinking about shooting your hands every snap. Your muscle has taken your muscle memory has taken over that it's just natural. As soon as you step, right. hands are shooting. It, it it just goes hand in hand like that. So to switch it on the fly, though, that's gonna be it, it's gonna take a lot more effort, a lot more energy from Matt to do something like that. And I just I, I don't think that it benefits the team as a whole at this stage right now. Good point. You know, and we can explore this further, but even on pulling. Okay, which is, I think, one of the areas that Matt is the weakest on. Because guys can dip and get under. We saw mm-hmm. that in Dallas. You see it on the traps. And I don't blame Matt for that. He's not built for that. What he's built for is that tackle position and being able to eat up people and use his great strength and size at that position and do the things that Arthur was talking about. But when you pull, especially in an intricate trapping game that I come from in the 80s, you had to have snapshots in your head of where you had to be. A simple two-trap, you could have against a 3-4 defense up to six different numbers in that hole where you're trapping. You had to be aware and cognizant of up to six different guys that could be there for the trap. And, and, and I mean, it's something that you've got to have repetition over and over. And you have to, you know, you have to see the snap of the ball. You've got to see the right rear end of that right guard, what have you. You got to look at the where the tackle is. You got to see his head. You got to see the flash of this helmet or that whatever that you're looking for. Those are the things that happen so fast, and you can't sit there and try to think your way through it like Arthur was saying. You've got to have that muscle memory and that digitally whatever CNS process thing downloaded into your system that you react spontaneously. Yeah, especially this time of the year, right? Especially when it's about oh, to, yeah. when it's right. about to be January. Exactly. And, and, and when you're entering the, the single elimination tournament, yeah, where, where that minutia can certainly uh, can certainly make the difference. Arthur Motes, Craig Wolfley in the locker room here on a Tuesday. I, I do believe Wolf, right? Start of the next hour, we have Bob Labriola on with us. Yes, he'll be at the top of the hour. Great Bob Labriola. Yep, so we'll, we'll have Labs at 11 o'clock. <laughs> we'll have Coach T at high noon, and you've got us to fill in the uh, to fill in the gaps in between. Arthur Motes, Craig Wolfley, Wesley Euler, you are listening to In the Locker Room on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio.
You're in the locker room with Tunch and Wolf. Presented by Neighborhood Ford Store. The Ford F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, here's Tunch and Wolf. All right, this is it, Wolf. This is the song that Arthur Motes wanted to play for you. Oh, my. <laughs> oh, my. Okay. Uh, next. <laughs> We're never going to give you up, Craig Wolfley. Uh, oh, my goodness. What can I say? I'm, uh, Moses isn't I'm saying anything because he's just vi- yeah, he's just vibing over there. I yeah, wish you yeah. could see him right now. Wolf. Y'all know how I get in studio. Come on now. Y'all yeah, know how I, I know it. <laughs> it's, you know what? It's it's like um, it's like that like the dance shows back in the eighties. You know, and maybe it was the seventies. You know, they had all those dance shows on TV. <laughs> Arthur, you'd have, you'd have hosted your own. That's what <laughs> we got to get him on the Mass Singer Wolf. I tell you what, I mean, he can. Oh, he there can, you go. Is Soul Train still a thing? I want to get on Soul Train, man. <laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe maybe we get a revival of it. We could do say, a revival of the thing. Yeah, I want to say Soul Train. That used to be my little jam, man. You know, I, I, I'm not opposed to. Uh, <laughs> To being able to see that again, you know, to breaking it down yeah. every once in a while. I show, I show my, my my boogie thing, you know. Hey, oh, man. Hop, hop on the good foot. That what they yeah. say. You yeah. know, you know what? A lot of people are have told me they they feel for my wife, the good lady, thing, right? But how about Arthur's wife? Began <laughs> Zooks, <laughs> man. Ne- ne- never that a dull woman. moment, man. Never, Never a dull, a dull moment. moment. You better believe it. No <laughs> doubt about it. Growing up moats. That must Growing be up moats. <laughs> yeah, we got to, I tell you what, uh, Mrs. Moats, I'm sure she's got some stories. Oh, without man. a doubt. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. Uh, it was a great story that played out on Sunday. Steelers with the big second, second half comeback uh, needed it for a whole different magnitude of reasons. Uh, but when we were in break there, Motsy, Wolf asked me a good question. I figured it'd be a good conversation uh, for this segment here. The performance by Ben Roethlisberger, I-, I believe Wolf, right? It was, was it inspiration, perspiration, or desperation? That's the question, right? Right, right. Arthur Mutz, That's the question, man. That second half performance by Ben Roethlisberger, inspiration, perspiration, or desperation? No, it's inspiration, man. Um, We've seen him do this before. We've seen him be very successful in terms of leading second-half comebacks, being magical at moments, especially on deeper passes. But then we kind of lost uh, track of that, right? They 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 got away from it. Ben didn't execute the way we wanted him to for a little bit of the season, and, and we all kind of lost hope. We all kind of start to second-guess and question if seven was still seven, if this team was a team of destiny and things along that nature. But that second half against that Colts team, it – showed us that no we do know what we saw early in the year we can believe in this and this is something that can become a more common thing and not an outlier as has been the past month and a half so to me I, I was very much encouraged by it because like I said it reassured something that we all have already felt and have seen this season you know it's interesting um I and I I, I when I should have prefaced this by saying inspiration perspiration or desperation the different elements but what i'm really talking about and arthur you're hitting on it because in many ways inspiration is part of desperation this is what i mean about desperation 
One of the greatest things I, I, I learned, I was studying, uh, I don't know, in one of the few classes I took at Syracuse University. That I <laughs> so actually one of the attended. few ones? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, the, the pyramids built in, in South America, uh, I think it was the Incas or somebody that, you know, one of the, the tribes down there, when they, they conquered a nation, they would put the, the labor force to use down there. They would build these pyramids. And part of the pyramid building project included at one time, and I'm just going to use round numbers because I can't remember what the exact numbers were, a thousand workers trying to move a block up a ramp to put in a pyramid. Well, they weren't really inspired. They were being enslaved and everything else, and they weren't getting it done. And so the king or whoever it was, you turn around and you remove 500 from it. And you don't do it by just saying, you guys step over here, but they were killed. 500 couldn't do it. But you know what? 250 moved the block that a thousand <laughs> couldn't and there is that little part of dog in you that you got to find that i was talking about and this is part inspiration but it's part desperation that you touch you reach to it's a part that you've been there before you've done that but at the same time the pressure builds up and think about this after that third touchdown pass to juju did you see the look on ben's face when the tv zoomed in on him and he hugged Marquise Pouncey. It said everything about the pressure he had been feeling, and yet he was still able to deal with. That's what I think is part of the great success of Ben over the years. Handling the pressure, finding that desperation. So the desperation I'm talking about so badly, you, you're, you're desperate to breathe. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That's what I'm talking about, tapping that sort of mental RPMs. It's not panic. But it's a desperation to get it done. Oh, yeah, that urgency, without a mm -hmm. doubt. That's definitely what you're speaking yes. on. And, and I mean, when you speak on that feeling of trying to catch your breath, or if you were underwater, <laughs> you got to get to the surface. Man, everyone right. knows that feeling. That's the urgency that we're, we're talking about, Ben going out there and, and having and executing and ultimately putting on display. And it became super contagious. That was the thing that I loved about that whole scenario when you was bringing right. it up. It just made me think about how everybody responded i mean because we've seen times where a great player he puts his foot down and he's like you know what enough is enough i'm ready to be that guy yes. but sometimes yes. but sometimes the troops just aren't capable of keeping up with him but in this scenario for us man we are we're very fortunate we had guys that could rally with seven and then you got that perfect storm that we just enjoyed to watch so much and everything just started to fall into place the way we love it. And, man, it was just a sight to be seen, truly. I agree with that. And that's the thing about it. You know, if you look at inspiration, inspiration can be, you know, it's – I'll give an example. I laugh about this. When I was a senior <laughs> at Syracuse University, we played in the Independence Bowl. They took both teams to the Louisiana Hayride, which, by the way, was where Elvis Presley got a start. Hey, but now. we're all there with – hey, hey, you got it. But there's 750 Hora, people – <laughs> In the, in the stands, right? Now they start bringing up the captains to either sing the school fight song or something or tell a joke. And I'm in panic because I don't want to go up on stage. You know this, right? So they got a cowboy Western band out on stage. And Tony Sider, who was a tight end with us, could sing. And so we agreed he was going to sing, you know, Mama, don't let your babies grow up to be cowboys or something like that. But I, I can't sing. I come from a long line of wailers, okay? I mean, really bad singers in my family, okay? So as we walk on stage, I have an inspiration of, of a moment that I can't believe. 
I see the piano player. It's an electric piano. And he, as I walk by, I go, hey, do you mind if I sit in? The guy looks at me with raised eyebrows. And he goes, oh, okay. And he just jumps up, and I sit down. And I look around, and I find the on-off button. And I just reach down and go, click, and it's too off. <laughs> the band kicks in. Tony starts singing. And I'm playing like Jerry Lee Lewis, right? Oh, But wow. there's no sound coming off. The piano's not working. It's We finish the song. I come down, and all my teammates are going, I didn't know you could play so good. That was awesome. You're like, and I'm laughing. I'm going, what are they hearing? Because they didn't hear me. Jeez. But that was inspiration, okay? I like it. <laughs> That's well, what I call inspiration. Well, if I could, come on, I could see you putting on a show, you know, like Chris Farley, like a Chippendale dancers, little oh, yeah, SNL yeah. skit. I mean, mm, absolutely. Show a little skin, absolutely. Big Daddy. Show a little skin. <laughs> uh, no, 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 no. We're not going there. Do All right. You know, you know what? You know, I'm sure you've had similar inspirational moments in your life. Absolutely. And that's the beauty of it. Man, inspiration could come from the most random places, but once it hits, and we all catch on to it, man, and we all get motivated by that, man, what we're able to unlock and what we're able to achieve, man, it's crazy how that whole situation and scenario works like that. Yeah. No question about it. It really brother. is. I, I think, too, you know, that quote, and I, I might butcher this, but I think the quote is that desperation is the mother of invention. I, I believe that that's the quote. And, yeah, a little inspiration, a little perspiration, uh, some desperation there uh, to get the offense going in the second half. And, and it was. It, it was innovative. You know, if you're listening to to a lot of the, you know, the things that are being said post game, uh, some innovative ideas that Ben brought to the offense there in the second half, uh, some different things that he was asking wide receivers to do that they hadn't necessarily worked on in practice. And, and, and yeah, so uh, I know that that's maybe not, um, that's maybe not the best for, for the radio segment, Wolf, but I, <laughs> I, I think it's, I think it's a little bit of all three, honestly, little inspiration, little perspiration, little desperation. You mix all those together with, with a future hall of famer um, in a, what wasn't, technically a must-win game for the Steelers but really felt like a must-win game I would say it definitely in, in, felt that way in, in a lot of ways yeah I I think uh, that's what you get and, and desperation was the was the mother of invention uh for Ben and, and for mm-hmm. the Steelers offense well let me just throw it out, out a perspiration moment for you um after my rookie year I was back in Syracuse with Rocky Blyer he was being uh, uh honored as the sportsman of the year and so it was my first very, very big speaking engagement. All right. There was, you had the wide world of sports announcers there. You had Chris Shambles from the New York Yankees and all, you know, Olympic, uh, Olympian Donna Dave Verona and so forth. And here's Rocky and there's me. I'm nobody, right? But I'm in, it's Syracuse. So they bring me. So it's my first speaking gig. There's a thousand people in attendance. There's TV cameras and it's my turn to speak. And I got a great joke in four minutes of material, right? <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I get up, and I can tell you guys, here's the deal. I started in, and I started the back cell, and all of a sudden, my eyes rose up enough to kind of take in everything and the lights of the camera, and I was right at my joke, and I forgot the punchline. Oh, no. Oh, 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 let me tell you. Oh, no. As I stammered and stood there and perspired <laughs> like crazy, I turned to Rocky, and I said, can you help me out here? And he looked at me and goes, I don't know you. (laughs) And here's the thing. I sat down and not 30 seconds later, I remembered the stupid punchline. Wow. 
to this day when I speak, wow. I write out the punchlines, okay? <laughs> Just because it. out of heaven. But there's a perspirational moment. And I think, Wes, you really hit on it. Inspiration and perspiration and desperation come together because I think those elements are all combined. Yeah. And you use those to move forward. And I think that's what really brought about that nice 90-minute second half. Yeah, and I think it's encouraging going forward as well, too, right? Uh, knowing that we, we've known, we've seen that a few times this season where whatever was going on in the first half wasn't working. They came into the – and they got into the locker room. You know, uh, Ben and company kind of figured out some new ways. You know, the whole, the whole draw it in the dirt analogy that, that we all love to use. And, uh, yeah, and were able to innovate their way uh, back into a successful winning position in the second half, I think that bears well in the playoffs that we all know, right? I mean, it, you get in, into the single-game elimination. It is a certainly a game of adjustments, particularly at halftime. And, uh, and yeah, the, the wide receivers, too, I think. You know, obviously, and I can, I can hear Arthur Motes going, ah, the prom king, ah, the prom king. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we rightful, rightfully so. We give Ben a lot of credit in this regard, and I think he is the one who stands highest on the podium. But credit to the wide receivers, too. You know what I mean? To be able to pick up what Ben is trying to tell them on the fly, things that they didn't work on at all that week in, in practice. That's that's credit to, to those guys as well. Yeah, without a doubt, man. Anytime you're able to be on the same page with your guys and doing it in a situation like that, right, it's easy to draw it up on in the practice setting where the stakes aren't as high. But when the stakes are as high as they are doing a game, doing a game against a, a, another foe that was I mean vying for playoff seating and things like that I mean that 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 takes a lot so yeah without a doubt you tip your cap to all of the guys involved not only the receivers and Ben but also the offensive line I mean they're gonna have to understand the different scenarios Wolf has brought this up before when you go five wide when you go you know one-on-one on on the outside it's one-on-one on on the inside as well when you want to do some of these longer developing passing concepts that puts more of a challenge on the offensive line so they have to be in Mm -hmm. tune with that and not only in tune with it but answering the bell answering that call man when 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 seven says he needs you for five seconds right here yeah you deliver those five right. seconds when seven says hey look i'm gonna give you guys a break we going quick game man you appreciate that break you make sure that that, that edge guy gets his hands down so it's not another bad at pass man I, I just think as a whole when they're clicking like that when they're all able to jump on the same you know on the same train and keep it moving like that man that is that's beautiful to see you know, Arthur, you're hitting right on it, brother. I mean, the fact is, and you know, and you experience in life the challenges that, that lay before you. And sometimes, and, and I, I truly believe this, you find, when I say desperation, again, it's not panic, but you are so desperate to be good, so desperate to get the job done, so desperate to whatever, you know, that you reach that, there, there's like an inspirational moment, there's that unveiling of whatever you need at that moment you know, you find it. And I think that's what playoff football is all about. There's that, just that deep down desire to be so good that you can't be denied. And uh, I, I think athletes tend to reach it because of the physical confrontations that they find themselves in day in and day out. Uh, it's not that it can't be found in other areas. I certainly is. I meant, I mean, think about Jonas Salk making the, uh, you know, polio vaccine. How many times was he you know, unable to do that, but he so mm. desperately wanted to contribute to mankind. You could go and look in a hundred different ways, a thousand different ways, but it's about reaching for whatever reason, that desperation in yourself 
to get the job done. And I think Ben is able to touch that. I think that he's able to inspire that around him. And I think, you know, when you saw that throw to Deontay Johnson, I just, it was like, again, and I've said it before, I'll say it again. It was like watching Robert Redford in the natural crack that home run against all odds, you know? <laughs> yep, and like That's I said. That's the little kid in me, right? Yeah, history of the world. The tides are turning. Yeah, no, I, I love it. I love it. We're throwing out all the pop yep. culture references here, as we always do on the show. Craig Woofley, Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler. We're a little overdue for a break here. We'll come back on the other side, wrap out the first hour. We'll have Bob Labriola on the show as well about 16 17 minutes from now so don't go anywhere you're in the locker room with arthur moats craig wolfley and wesley euler on snr and espn pittsburgh what's the matter with the clothes i'm wearing can't you tell that your tie's too you're in the locker room with Tunch and Wolf, presented by Neighborhood Ford Store. The Ford F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, here's Tunch and Wolf. In the locker room on a Tuesday, Craig Wolfley, Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler with you here. We'll be joined by Bob Labriola in about nine minutes on the program. So we got a... Uh, we got a few minutes here, fellas. What do you say, uh, you know, this will be good for Wolf here, Motes. I think it's time we go to the tweets. Uh-oh. I mean, it is a Twitter Tuesday after I do, all. I do like it because we never get to the tweets. We never do that. <laughs> what do you say, Wolf? Is whatever right you guys you? want. Whatever, whatever you want. All right, let's do it. So, Wolf, we have a, we have a loyal listener who tweets Moats and I, and he always asks a three-pack of questions, okay? Okay. Like one's usually Steelers related, one's usually food related, and then there's a random one. So he kind of fits with our vibe. And his name okay. on Twitter is me. So me, me, no, 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 like, like exclamation point, like me, like me, me. Okay. <laughs> the first question that me asks on Twitter is, <laughs> would you sit any key Steelers players this weekend in Cleveland? And if so, which ones? Mm. Arthur, you want to take a crack at that? Yeah. Um, the key players that I'm going to sit, obviously the quarterback seven, but now I'm telling you this with the preface of, I want them to at least play one quarter, okay? So after the mm -hmm. first quarter, this is when I'm sitting these guys. I'm going Big Ben, going Pouncey, definitely TJ, Minka, Hayden. Cam? Cam. Got to yeah. go Cam. That's at six, two at seven. Throw Vince. Nah, I want Vince to get a little more because yeah. he's been out for a couple weeks now. Yeah. <sighs> He's got to get off those Newports. Though. Right, yeah, that's what I'm saying, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I, I like my young receivers playing, especially right now because they went through a spell where they had the dropsies bad, and I want to see them continue to build that confidence. They're not going to build that confidence sitting on the side. I right. need them right. in stadium. Yeah. Practice isn't helping them because it's not going to emulate what that in-stadium pressure feels like. So for me personally, I want all my receivers to play. I don't mind them playing second quarter, even a little bit third for a guy like Claypool who hasn't been featured on the offense as much. I would like to see him get some more touches, especially, you know, in a game like this. But those the, the seven guys that I listed in terms of uh, just a recount, it just Ben Pouncey, um, we said Ben Pouncey, TJ, Cam, Tewitt, Minka, Joe Hayden, Hayden. and uh, Nelson. 
those, those eight players or whatever, yeah. th- those would be mine that I'm for sure sitting early on. As soon as first quarter is done, those eight are out. Everyone else, you could kind of play it by ear. But like I said, for the younger receivers, I would definitely want to see more of them. And a guy like Deontay Johnson, I want to see him continue to get confidence in stadium, continue to have just good reps catching the ball and having that on tape. Because as a player that understands how that momentum feels, how that mental, you know, just just reassurance feels, man, it's it's scenarios like this that could really be beneficial for him, especially when it's time for this playoff run to start. I would agree with you. The last one that I would include in that too, though, and well, two. There's two more that I would include. One would be Dave DeCastro mm-hmm. at some point if I've got the, the manpower to get him out of there. The other one is James Conner, and, and this is this is why. Um, James just has been nicked up too much, you know, and so I would pull him as soon as I could. Here's the thing about it. If you look back and see what he did in that game, I know it was only 20 yards rushing, but let me tell you something. That was one of the best one-yard runs that I've seen in a long time that he scored a touchdown on. Uh, down in, you know, last game. The other thing about it was he had a nice little 12-yard run, big deal. Okay, we got that. But his receptions, five times for, for like 45 yards, a lot of first downs, the screen to him. You know, those were key plays that kept drives going. And it was part and parcel of that offense. And I'd, I'd like to get James a little bit healthier, make sure he's not nicked up, because I think he's got – he provides some of the stopgap stuff that – the measures, just pure measurables, don't bring to the table all the time. No, you're absolutely right I with think that. that's well said. Yeah. yeah. Question number two, so, Tr- true or yes. false, as you get older, you really appreciate socks as Christmas gifts. <laughs> true. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. But not the battery ones, okay? Those things, now you're getting, those, those drive me crazy, are battery-powered warm socks. All right, come on. Forget Nuts. about it. If you're that old, you know, then you need to just, I don't know, you need like to stick your feet in one of those uh, foot warmers that, you know, like uh, massagers, you know, <laughs> hot water and stuff like that. I'm battery not powered lie. socks. No. <laughs> oh, tell me. Tell me you're a battery powered sock guy. Let me hear this. No, no, no. Th- th- this is how bad it is for me. I was like, I've never even known the battery powered socks. I've heard of like, <laughs> I've heard of the, 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 the plug in blankets to keep you warm, but I'm like, I've never heard right. of warming socks. Like, this is nuts. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, that's because you're not from Buffalo. You oh, there it is. <laughs> there it is. Last you one. You didn't grow Ooh, up there. Man. Last one here, gentlemen, and this is one that really splits a crowd. Uh, Me asks on Twitter, pineapple on pizza, yes or no? Uh, I'm I'm, I'm no on that. I like my pizza as pizza. I like my fruit as fruit. I don't really like to mix them. (laughs) You know, I will say this, um, anything but anchovies, okay? I mean, anchovies are – that's an acquired yep. taste right there. Anchovies. What's we'll, we'll on his Teenage Mutant yeah. Ninja Turtles vibe I was going to say, that's no definitely anchovies. Cheese. No anchovies. I mean, well, let me put it this way. If you're hungry enough, yes, anchovies. But <laughs> if you're hungry is, enough. You'd rather, I, I know no bounds when I'm that hungry. But I want to so, know, like, what, uh, what, what would make you that hungry? I feel like I would have to be, like, stranded somewhere. And it's one of those, hey, you might not be <laughs> – you know, you, you might not sleep under a roof tonight. You're going to be sleeping outside. You don't have another oh, no. option. I feel like that's the only way an anchovy is going inside my digestive system now, man. <laughs> Knowingly, at least. Oh, no. 
I was thinking about, oh, I skipped lunch. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Craig Wolfley. It's not a high bar, Arthur. <laughs> <laughs> Wolf, Moats, Euler, hanging out here, having some fun. One hour in the books. When we come back here on the other side, we'll talk to our buddy Bob Labriola of Steelers.com and Steelers Digest. So don't go anywhere. 60 minutes in the books. Another 60 on the way. You are in the locker room with Wolf, Moats, and Euler on ESPN Pittsburgh and SNR. You're in the locker room with Tunch and Wolf. Presented by Neighborhood Ford Store. The Ford F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, here's Tunch and Wolf. Hour number two in the locker room. We cannot locate Bob Labriola. I mean, he's probably, you know, just enjoying his vacation or something out there. So, more of us just yapping, fellas, I guess. No, no, I mean, come on, Labs. We need you, buddy. No, I'm just kidding. It's we'll, okay. We'll be just fine, and and hopefully uh, Labs is uh, enjoying some time off, if that is the case. Um, hold on, hold on. I don't handle change well. You, you, <laughs> I, I don't adapt. <laughs> I, I, I'm not a guy that can adapt on the fly, okay? I'm very strategic. Y'all told me yesterday that the plan was for Labs today at this particular time. I don't feel comfortable right now, okay? I'm just throwing it out well, there. You know what they say, but <laughs> I don't, I don't, I've never been in a profession where I've had to adapt on the fly. I'm just letting you know that, okay? Everything that we did was by the book. If we said it, we drew it up, it worked exactly like that, okay? So what happened on play action, Arthur? <laughs> hey, we just I, I, I don't know about, what you're speaking of right now. We just talked about how desperation was the... Uh, was the mother of invention, right? So we're going to yes. we're gonna have to invent something new this segment, fellas. Uh, we got a bunch of questions here on Twitter rolling in, so we'll keep this Twitter Tuesday uh, going along here. Scott tweets and says, Good morning, guys. I have a question for you. Uh, with the Bills and Steelers both at 12-3, and three, um, Scott's saying basically that, that he thinks it would be smart to try and move up to the two-seat if possible. He would not rest uh, starters um, and, and the way that the Steelers have been playing, finally waking up in the second half on Monday, um, that he would he would let the starters uh, not rest them for the whole game, let them play most of the game. But at the same time, I don't want Ben Hurt. Well, that is the predicament there, Scott, isn't it, fellas? The catch-22. I, I do wonder. No question. I, I wonder, Wolf. You know, we talked we, we touched on this a little bit yesterday. Five straight games without points in the first quarter for the Steelers. Nine straight games where they have not scored points on their opening possession of the game. Is there a balance there between still wanting these guys to get work, hoping that they can get that corrected, hoping they can come out of the shoot faster, versus <laughs> looking at what they've been recently and taking that into account? Right, like for example, if they, you know, if we we're going to hear from Mike Tomlin here in about fifty-five minutes, uh, right here on ESPN. Pittsburgh how, how many minutes? Center. Well, 54 now. Uh, uh, no, 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 no. It's still 05 over here. 55 minutes. Don't do that. Come on, man. <laughs> you see, don't now, change things on now our he, he, he now, he ru- now he just ruined my punchline. Now I don't remember where I was going with this. <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> Sh- Should have wrote it down. <laughs> um, if, if, if Mike Tomlin comes out here at the top of the, the noon hour and says, 
Um, you know, we're going to we're going to start our regular guys, but they'll be on some type of, you know, snap count, series count. We're only going to play them one series, the first quarter, whatever that may be. If that's the plan, Steelers offense is going to play one possession. That's it. We're going to have them prep for the game like a normal week. They're going to come out. They're going to have one possession and that's going to be it. Then we're going to pull Ben. We're going to pull some vet guys. If the offense comes out and goes three and out again, <laughs> what do you do? Do you stick with that plan? Do you send mm-hmm. them back out there? Because, hey, guys, I'm not trying to be negative Nancy or Debbie Downer or whatever other cliche we can use. But, again, nine straight games without points on the opening drive, five straight games without points in the first quarter. How do you balance wanting them to come out of the shoot and still prep and get that right versus knowing that there's a, a good chance that they might come out slow? Then what? Yeah. Uh, you know, oh, go ahead, go ahead Arthur. Oh, all right. Go ahead, brother. <laughs> but um, for You're me, my guest today. <laughs> I, I, I know, and I appreciate the hospitality. You know, I, sometimes I feel like, man, I, I'm stepping on your toes a little bit. But then I'm like, all right, you know, he he he, he told me to make myself at home. So I'm, I'm trying to go to the refrigerator and grab a nice beverage, all right? <laughs> Put my feet on the coffee table a little bit. Arthur, if we were teammates, we'd have been kicking each other in the shin and holding and everything else. You know what I mean? That's just the way it goes. Amongst brothers, you know, I mean, without a doubt, man, without a doubt. But um, Wes, um, with that that question, man, in terms of if they were to come out slow or if they were to come out and look bad early on, I think this is one of those scenarios where you have to coach off of a timetable, not off of emotion right here. Hmm. Meaning this, I want them to get one quarter's worth of work. That can be the best one quarter we've seen. It could be the worst one quarter we've seen. But the limit is that one quarter. Now, we'll correct and adjust and do everything we need to do following that. But that's the absolute limit. Because what happens if you allow yourself to get emotional and you allow yourself to say, well, you know what, man, I'm tired of this three and out stuff. I've seen two, three and outs start this game. You know what? I'm pissed now. Now you're going to play the whole game. What does that do for you? You send the message, you win that battle, but you ultimately compromise your postseason. You right, compromise right. the health of your team. Maybe you you compromise the, battle, right. the war. You compromise yeah. the confidence of your team as well. So that's why I think it's important that you strictly and you don't typically do this. Typically, you know, your coaching mindset is win. You know, and then from there you you go down your progressions. But for this case, because of the uniqueness of it, I think you you have to stay confined to the parameters of a quarter max. So if you go in there and you say, I want these guys to have two series tops. I've been a part of those scenarios where typically in the preseason, mind you, right? Fourth preseason game. And they're like, man, you're going to go out there and play two series. First series, you're out there, you give up a touchdown in two plays. You're like, God. All right, you go out there, the second series, still bad. But then they pull you, and the thing is this. You get a chance to go back, and now you're like, man, I got to still chew on this thing. I still stay active. But the thing is, you feel great going into that next game because physically you're good, mentally you're corrected the things that you need to correct, and now you can go out there and execute. I've also been on the other side where it's, hey, man, you're only going to be out here for a quarter. Quarter's going kind of halfy-halfy, right? <laughs> kind of good, kind of bad. Coach says you're going to stay in for, for the rest of the game. You end up getting hurt a quarter later. Now you miss uh, two weeks because you hurt your knee in a, in a game that you weren't even supposed to play that long game. But because the performance early on wasn't where it was and the coach acted out of emotion and not out of bigger picture thinking, now you put yourself in a compromised scenario. So I've seen both sides of it. And that's why just from personal experience, I say, man, you got to, if you, whatever you set you gotta as stick the with bar, the you stick with it. Wolf has talked about it as well. If you got the mindset that, hey, I might pull these guys, but I'm not going to tell them until after warmups. Well, then you do that. But if you see them warming up lack of days ago, now you're like, you know, you're playing the whole game and overtime. 
I mean, that, that that's that's not gonna that's kind of counterproductive to our efforts long term. That's that's what I'm trying to get at. You know, I think that's really a big thing that you're touching on is about taking the emotion out of it. And I think so much of this is judgmental and subjective in the sense that if you're Mike Tomlin, and again, Arthur, you know this better than me. Mike knows the pulse of his locker room. He knows how each player is feeling. He knows what the workload is. Nobody's got a better really day in, day out uh, understanding of what his team needs than Mike does. And I think one of the things that's important is, you know, in your mind, if, if these guys go down and score, you take the opening kickoff, I'm already pulling Ben and, you know, stuff like that. Uh, defensively speaking, if they come and, and give me a three and out, I'm already going to pull Cam. You know, I mean, just at, I'm pulling guys as I see success, but I'm not like telling guys, okay, you've got a quarter, you've got a half, whatever, things like that nature. Because here's the thing about players. Mm-hmm. Players just play. <laughs> Don't give them a target date, you know, a target to, to be out. Don't you know do I mean? it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Exactly. <laughs> Because you don't know what can happen. You know, I remember one time, the f- the fourth preseason game, we were playing in Cleveland. Back in the day, we used to play Cleveland in preseason as well as twice during the regular season. Now, that's Mike a rivalry. Webster, mm-hmm. Yes. Mike Webster ended up playing the entire preseason game because two centers got hurt. Two or, two or three centers got hurt in that game. He played the whole last preseason game. A guy like that, d- double-digit years and everything. And, you know, of course, he was the ultimate Iron Man. But the fact of the matter was you can't put a limit on and, and, and tell players whatever because you don't know what's going to happen during the course of that game. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. A lot of things so, can happen. Help me from myself, Coach. Don't tell me how long <laughs> I'm playing. I, I'm not I'm not mature enough for that. Even even later in my career, I was never mature <laughs> enough for that. Coach hit me with the most. Man, you only out here for a quarter. Don't, don't, hey, I'm going to be looking at that clock. The whole, uh, hey man, I got three seconds left. Don't you? Don't you run that ball this way? Don't do that to me. S- save me from myself, please. You're like a like a pitcher on a snap count, right? Hey, 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 hey don't don't or you do a, that uh, on a pitch, on a pitch count. count. Sorry, yeah, it. I just combined baseball and football there. Way to go! Like a pitcher on a snap count. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Like a pitcher on a pitch count. Yeah, you're looking at the scoreboard, maybe. S- some right? people, Instead some people, throwing. some people can handle that. I'm not one of them. You know what? You know, hey, you know, guys, you know, I'm not one of them. Moats, Moats does not roll with the changes there nope. is what we're getting to. <laughs> you, you, you tell me. Listen, and I just take this to my off-season workouts. This is another reason why I used to hate working out with people. They hit you with the, we running 30 sprints. All right, cool. I'm going right. to give you 30 of the best sprints I have in my body. You told me 30. We running 30. Overtime. Nah, bro. I ain't got time for overtime. No. I went in regulation. And from then on, we have an argument. From then on, now I don't want to work out with you anymore. Now now our friendship is compromised because of that little bit of a change right there. Overtime. I don't. Uh-uh. Nah, 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 nah. You said 30. I'm giving you 30. All right. So, so, so you've th- never worked out with Tun Chilkin because that's exactly I, oh, oh, no, what he used to do. And, and that's why I stopped working out with people. I used to work out with Pouncy. I used to work out with Cam. Uh, we had our trainer, uh, Dan LeBird. He was with me in Buffalo as a, as a rookie, followed me to Pittsburgh. Now he's with the uh, Brooklyn Nets. He was a nut. He was uh, the corporate. I used to get at him all the time. Like, yo, if you give me an overtime one more time, I'm telling you now, yep. it, it will not be another workout in here. All right. Like, I, I, I don't do well with it, <laughs> but you got to know your personnel. I, it, you can you can while we're you you can make the workout number large to start. You can just tell me man, we're going to do sixty reps. Cool. That can include overtime. Don't tell me we got forty, but then twenty reps overtime because now I feel some type of way. That that, that you overtime. Know? Yeah. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Give it to me regular. 
Exactly. And in, in that spirit, I just got a text from Bob Labriola. I think he's on. So oh, yeah. We got to go to break. Yes. All right. Well, tell Labs I'll yep. call him here in about six minutes. We'll talk to Bob Labriola on the other side. Motes, Wolf, Euler in the locker room on SNR and ESPN Pittsburgh. You're in the locker room with Tunch and Wolf. Presented by Neighborhood Ford Store. The Ford F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, here's Tunch and Wolf. A familiar guest a little bit later than usual. We've got Bob Labriola of Steelers.com and the Steelers Digest with us here in the locker room. Arthur Motes, Craig Wolfley, Wesley Euler Labs, how we doing? Pretty good. How are you guys? Oh, we cannot complain. We we appreciate you rolling with the changes with us. You know, uh, Arthur Motes Labs. You know, for a former NFL player, he, you know, he he's not the best at rolling with these punches. He's he's a little shook over here. <laughs> I heard he's a Bills fan. <laughs> come, come on, Labs. Why you want to do that today, man? I, I, listen, I've been oh. I've been flying under the radar. I haven't said anything Bills related. Wolf come up here talking all this chicken wing stuff. I'm nah. telling him I only like pierogies. I, I said I don't even eat wings. That's what I told him. <laughs> Jeez. Wow. <laughs> Protect the brand, <laughs> Oh, that's sensational. Labs, one of the things I always love is some of the commentary you get off of asked and answered. And I got to tell you, that first half and people actually taking the time to vent their frustrations writing to you with everyone, not almost every one of them referring in some way, shape or form to the demise of Ben and how they don't deserve it. What were they? I wonder what these people thought about that second half of the game. Well, I mean, I, you know, I was wondering that, too. I mean, at that point, when you totally embarrass yourself with some of that stuff that, um, you know, you, you, you actually took the time to write an email to me, uh, some people in all caps, thinking that that <laughs> somehow makes it right. more, uh, more believable. But then when, when Ben starts playing good and the Steelers start coming back, do they root for Ben to throw an interception then so they're right? <laughs> or, you know, and here's another thing. Um, you know, I'm really not, uh, you know, like the, this Lonely Hearts Club where, you know, people should be sending me, you know, their innermost thoughts and feelings. You know, it's a, it's a question and answer thing. You ask me a question and I answer it. It's not a debate. Not a talk show, um, you know. And I have to actually take time going through all this stuff. And um, so, anyway, that's my. Uh, I'm a little salty this morning. And, uh, well, you know, what? guys, I just have to. Labs, I got to say one thing. You are not uh, going to be replacing Doctor Phil with Doctor Labs. Okay, it's not going to happen. Uh, I wouldn't mind his paycheck, uh, but anyway. Um, so what did you think about the Ravens' punishment for the COVID stuff? Oh. Uh-huh. Less than t- Tennessee got. Yep. And I think New Orleans uh, has gotten some some, yeah. more, some bigger slaps on the wrist there too, Labs. Um, yeah. I think maybe uh, the fix was in there a little bit with the owner of the Ravens <laughs> and the commissioner of the league. Mm. Huh? 
I think well, you know. Well, well now you are hosting the talk I, show labs. Now, now you're laying it down. Wasn't, wasn't I complaining about that? With you and yes, Tunch you were. Um, no doubt about it. Could we no play X Files theme? Huh? No, no. Wait, get, wait, get the aluminum, aluminum foil out with the Reynolds wrap. The heavy <laughs> but, um, you know, I, uh, I no draft pick, uh, sanctions. Uh, you know, I, I think right. that's, that's I mean, that's it's ridiculous. Cr- it's crazy to think that the amount of money they got fined, the two hundred and fifty thousand is less money than the watch Odell Beckham was wearing in the games <laughs> last year. Just just, just wow. think about that. An organization like the Baltimore Ravens will find less than the amount <laughs> that Odell will wear as a watch in these games. Multiple in games game. last year. This is crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, Can't make this up. I mean, they, they, made the, they made the Lions play without their coach. They made the Broncos play without any quarterbacks. They made the Browns play without the top four wide receivers, <laughs> but the Ravens actually got an extra postponement because they were they were concerned about muscle strains. Seriously, <laughs> and wow, I, I mean, can't make this up. You know, so I'm almost hoping. I don't know if, if the Steelers losing to the Browns helps keep the Ravens out of the playoffs. I'd start you with Dog Wolf. I would. <laughs> <laughs> and hey, hey, and just, to, just to continue oh, it, man. I'd have Arthur. I'd have Arthur in there trying to tackle Nick Chubb. Too. <laughs> put, put, put me at wide receiver. Let me go back and live my my like younger days. I want to catch the rock. <laughs> I'll kick. How about that? Oh, that I'll kick. I'll I'll kick. I want to catch the rock. Let, let me get a let me get a pass. <laughs> Bob Labriola, uh, longtime football guy, recent talk show host and grief counselor, apparently as well too, with us here <laughs> in the locker room on Steelers Nation Radio. Uh, Lab, speaking of putting Wolf at guard, one of the things that we talked about at the in the first hour of the show that I'd be interesting to get your opinion on, uh, and and see if you've been asked about this by a lot of Steelers fans. I, I know Moats and I got a lot of tweets earlier on in the week about this uh, a lot of people seem to love the idea of moving Matt Filer back to right tackle bringing Kevin Dotson in on a full-time basis at guard uh, any credence to that to you you like that idea is it too late in the season to do something like that to ask Mike, Matt Filer to move from inside to outside how do you feel about the the idea the sentiment that's out there that the Steelers need to have Kevin Dotson on the field just about every single snap well I mean during the um, pregame show before the, the Colts game on DVE, one of the items that uh, Mike pursued at Jerry Dulac and I kicked around was, you know, what would you suggest uh, for fixes uh, about the running game moving forward? And that was my idea. Now, I preface that by saying I understand that it's late in the season and, you know, I don't know uh, if this could work. But, yes, I think that and especially based on the tackle play that we've seen, uh, especially well, and that I had seen uh, in the game against the Bengals, I would move Filer uh, back to right tackle. I would put Dotson in at left guard, and then I would make Chooks the extra, um, whatever you want to call them, report the third tight end or mm-hmm. you know, whatever that position is. And see if that would help because <clears throat> I don't think I don't know that the other way's working that well. And um, but again, I don't know that that fixes 
the running game. I, I let me say this: I uh, believe uh, what Tony Romo was commenting on uh, during the game broadcast on CBS for Steelers Colts game. Um, the Steelers are a passing team this season. Everybody, get used to it. That's what it is. They're not going to be able to fix their running game. They're not going to be able. It's just not going to happen. Okay, they don't have that mindset. They don't have the muscle memory. They don't have any of that stuff. And so uh, I think that the best path for this offense moving forward is a lot of what Romo was saying. You have to open up other areas of the field, which um, Ben and the Steelers did in the second half, and then you can go back to using the short passing as your run equivalent plays. And it's not going to be like, um, you know, trying to cross um, – you know, the Long Island Expressway at rush hour on Monday, <laughs> uh, you know, within five or ten yards of the line of scrimmage. And I think that that's the, the most realistic uh, possibility for this team, with this personnel, at this stage of the season, to try and get back to uh, an offense that scores, you know, 24-plus points a game because that's what it's going to have to be. You're not going to win playoff games, I don't believe, the teams that are in the playoffs, 17 to 14. Now, lab, it's just not going to happen. Now, Labs, I want to ask you, um, as it pertains to the playoffs and potential matchups, what teams are out there that you would hate for us to see in that first round? And which would be the uh, the, the flip side of that? Teams that you're you like, you know what, I feel like we match up with them the best. This would be the, the team that we would want to see first round of the playoffs. Well, I mean, I, you know, um, I don't I don't really think it matters if we see um, the offense that we saw in the second half of the Colts game. The Steelers went to Tennessee and won. They beat the Ravens twice. Uh, the game is going to be at Heinz Field regardless of, you know, what the Steelers' seeding is because they have to be in the top four as a division champion. Bring the Browns to Pittsburgh. I don't care. I mean, you beat them 38-7. to I think the Browns, once they cross the line from Ohio into Pennsylvania, you know, their knees get weak anyway. They have since 1970, pretty much. So, um, you know, you can't play Kansas City first and you can't play Buffalo first. And those are the only teams um, that I think, I think those are both, um, both Buffalo and Kansas City uh, could get to the Super Bowl and both Buffalo and Kansas City can win the Super Bowl. Um, now, you know, I thought the Steelers were representative uh, against the Bills uh, in some, you know, uh, adverse situations that they had. Uh, but uh, I, I, outside of that, I mean, Tennessee, uh, they beat the Colts, they beat the Ravens, they beat twice, the Browns, they beat the Dolphins. You know, really? Uh, no, I'm not afraid of the Dolphins. Bring the Dolphins up here January 10th or whatever it is. We've um, seen that before. <laughs> right, um, you know, so because you don't have to go down to Miami Wolf, and it's not 1984 where you got to face Dan Marino either. So, right. um, uh, there aren't really any teams that I, uh, I, I would say, boy, you don't want to face them uh, because, first of all, the game's in Pittsburgh, and second of all, any of the potential teams I think the Steelers could face, they already beat, right? I mean, there isn't. Colts, uh, the Titans, 
the Bengals, or not the Bengals, the Ravens and the Browns. Those are the only and the okay, the Dolphins. I'm not afraid of the Dolphins. So I don't care. What I care about is I would like us to do the Steelers to do whatever is possible to screw the Ravens uh, because they screwed our season up. They did. And the NFL allowed it to happen. And um, if, if anybody needs any more reason who's a Steeler fan to hate the Ravens, I hope this is it. Because it wasn't fair, it wasn't right, um, and it shouldn't have happened. I'm not going to lie. I like this Jordan energy that I'm getting from you, Labs. This, this Labs took that personally. I, I took it personally. I'm like, I, I like this. This is the Labs I've been looking for, baby. <laughs> um, but, I mean, I, does anybody, I mean, anybody have a different opinion? No. No, uh, without a no. doubt. That's the thing. <laughs> no, not at all. No, not at all. And, and I tell you, with that in mind, Labs, if it is Steelers-Ravens in the first round, man, it would be really nice to beat those guys for the third time in a year and shut them up and, and send them home. But on the other yeah, hand, too, it, it would be a real thorn in the side if those guys kind of flipped your season upside down and then ended up eliminating you in the postseason. Yeah, I'm with you, too. I think I'd rather just not see Baltimore. Well, I mean, I, 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 when I say keep them out of the playoffs, it's not because uh, I think that you, know, you should be afraid of playing them. I just think that they don't deserve to sure. be there. Um, and uh, because even if the Steelers beat them a third time, that whiny Harbaugh, he'll be whining about something. He's always whining <laughs> about something. They never lose. It's always somebody's fault, whether the officiating was this, or, you know, we didn't get enough rest, or we might strain a muscle. You know, it, it, uh, <laughs> hate the Ravens. Hate the Ravens forevermore. To quote, to butcher Edgar Allan Poe's quote, hate the Ravens forevermore. I don't think I could have voiced that better than that by any means, any way, shape, or form. That is really impressive. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, when when that happened, when I saw that on the internet, I just, I, I, it's one of those things that you kind of suspected was going to happen. Deep down, I knew that the fix was going to be in, um, but I just, I just couldn't believe that. Such an obvious um, miscarriage and blatant disregard for the protocols. That the, I'm not saying that when I say blatant disregard of the protocols by the Ravens, I'm not saying that, you know, John Harbaugh was behind this or anything. But what I'm saying is, is that their employee purposely mm-hmm. did not wear a mask and then premeditatedly, while he was doing that, he took off the contact tracer. So they could not perform uh, the contact tracing and try to isolate it. And then the Ravens used that and said, we have an outbreak. We need special consideration. And Roger Goodell bought it. And he swallowed the whole thing. Um, it just really honks me off. that. And, I'm, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm as angry about this if I work for the Broncos or if I work mm-hmm. for the Lions or if I work for the Browns or any of those other teams, Tennessee even. Um, now, they, they willingly broke the protocol. That's fine. They took their punishment, and they got more than the Ravens got. Definitely and did. The, and the Ravens not only screwed our season, but they also screwed NBC out of a Thanksgiving mm. night game, which I'm sure, I'm sure, knowing the way that 
those kinds of things typically work. There has to be a make good on that for, by the NFL for NBC because of a lost revenue in that. Because you don't just NBC is not going to just eat uh, a loss for whatever that was. They had, they already had the network crew here and all the uh, the equipment and all that stuff. So whatever that loss was, not only in revenue they did not make from not having a game, but the lost revenue they had and expenses they had to incur because the game then was postponed almost well six days from Thanksgiving, which was the Thursday to the following Wednesday. So they either had to drive that stuff back and forth, which cost money, mm-hmm. or they had to put those people up here, which cost money. And you know, again, uh, I, I just I don't I don't see how I don't see how that goes um, unpunished or punished or, or, as lightly as it was. Yeah, because it was definitely a slap on the <laughs> wrist, on man, the wrist. without yeah. a doubt. Yeah, I think particularly when you look at. Uh, the Saints and, and some of the other teams that it wasn't necessarily a breach of protocol, right? I mean, the, the Saints, they rained down on the Saints because they weren't wearing their masks in the locker room post Celebrating a win. Yeah, celebrating <laughs> a win, yeah. That is, there is no rhyme or reason to that there, too. I'm with you on that, Labs. Uh, last one that I wanted to pick your brain on. A uh, lot of conversation heading into the weekend about what the Steelers should do with, with starters, with veterans. Should they sit them completely? Should they play them the full game? Should they maybe just treat it like a preseason game where they're on a, a snap count or a series count? How do you think – well, now that I'm asking this question, Labs, I think you think the Steelers should sit everybody, right, and just lose on purpose that the Ravens can miss out on the playoffs. <laughs> well, what is, well, I said if, 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 that, if losing to the Browns would keep the Ravens out of the playoffs – I play Wolf and Arthur, you know, and, and, you know, maybe even Hodge and Batch. You know, just, um, but um, you know, see, this is this is the way I look at this. Um, home field advantage isn't home field advantage this year. Um, you have to go to Kansas City. You know, them having ten thousand people in Arrowhead Stadium. I mean, you know, that place is. And, you know, both Wolf and Arthur can talk about this. Um, um, you know, that place, they, they, they do it as the loudest, you know, outdoor sports venue in the world or whatever. And they have that, right. um, you know, the decibel uh, levels and all that stuff when the fans make noise on the scope So um, I don't know that home field is that big a deal. To me, what's a big deal is having your players uh, in the best possible physical readiness that you can in terms of, you know, them not being worn out or fatigued or any of that stuff. Because while the Steelers did have a weekend or even two, you know, where they didn't have games and they played during the week on weekdays on some of those other ones, they never really had a bye where, you know, it's a bye. You know that, like, you know, on Tuesday that there's not going to, you know, you're going to dance around a little bit on the field. And then you're going to get four days off because uh, that's the rule according to the CBA. So, I, my opinion, and it's not my decision. My opinion is that I would rest as many guys as I could. Now, you, you really can't treat it like a preseason game because you only have 53 people on the roster. You have to deactivate some sure. for game day. Uh, preseason, you have 90, and you don't have to deactivate anybody. So there's a limit to what you can do. But, um, you know, and here's the the other thing you hear about was, well, you know, they're on a roll now. Um, You don't want them to be 
rusty. Well, you know, not to be a sarcastic idiot, but that's kind of what I am. Um, it's not like the offense has started <laughs> any slower than it has the last month. So um, I'm not really that worried about that either because I don't know that that's going to magically turn around in 72 hours uh, either. So I'm not going to expose, and here's some of the names that come to right to the top of my head, Ben, number one. Pouncey, Cam, Tuit, Hayden, um, you know, and I'm probably missing some people here, and I apologize. Watt, good one. Uh, Minka, <clears throat> you know, I'm not giving any of those wacko Browns the opportunity to take out somebody's knee. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just not. You know, I'm not giving Miles Garrett the opportunity to rip somebody's helmet off and hit him over the head. And don't say it can't happen because I've seen it. Um, so uh, that's my that's my take on this right now. Um, that's how I would approach it. Uh, I don't know how many people you're, you're going to have to play some guys. I, I get it. You can't rest everyone, and you can't even you know play them as like a, a preseason opener or a second preseason game where you know you, you keep a lot of guys out and other guys just play a series. You don't have enough bodies for that. Um, but all due respect to these people that I'm going to mention, uh, Avery Williamson would be playing a lot. Justin Lane would be playing a lot. Um, um, either, uh, um, Marcus Allen, if he's healthy, or Antoine Brooks would be playing a lot at that hybrid linebacker. Um, a lot of those guys, uh, would be, Cam Sutton would be playing a lot uh, because, you know, as I said, there are, there are some people that you know, you're already going in to this game, uh, the playoff, or excuse me, you're already going into the playoffs uh, with a roster that has taken some broadside hits. And I don't want to take any more broadside hits in a game hoping uh, that, you, that, you know, Buffalo loses to Miami or something. And, you know, you end up with a, an extra home game if you win your first home game in a, in a postseason where, there's hardly any fans in the stands. That's the way I see it. You know what, Labs? I, I got to tell you, I don't agree with everything, but I love the way you put it. And I, I can't summarize what you just said better than what you did and asked and answered. <laughs> and when you said, and now, back to our regular programming. <laughs> <laughs> that was tremendous, though. Thank you very much for that, brother. I appreciate you, that. All right. Labs, thanks for your time as always, and, and we'll we'll be there rooting this weekend with you that those stinking Ravens get left on the outside looking in. All right, Absolutely. Thursday roundtable, don't be late. <laughs> you want that again? You want oh, that again man. with me? I, I, I hope so. I'm going to put my special request in. <laughs> hey, if you want, if you want, you can have my spot. <laughs> well, he, Labs, he can only fill so many roles. He's playing linebacker and wide receiver on Sunday. He's on the show on Thursday. Now. Hey, hey, well, he's filling two roles right now. <laughs> Bills fan and Steelers broadcast. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> Labs, great stuff as always. We appreciate your time and, and happy new year to, to you and the family. Thank you, brother. All right. Wow. I love you, Arthur. Hey, you know it's all love, baby. <laughs> yes, indeed. All right. <laughs> there he goes, Bob Labriola. Great stuff as always. That was tremendous. I tell you oh, what, man. Labs, he's got a reputation for being a curmudgeon. I tell you what, he's a jokester, that, that mm. Bob Labriola. Oh, he's tremendous. Great stuff from him as always. Absolutely. We've got some more tweets we'll get to here on a Tuesday before we get to Mike Tomlin at the top of the hour. One more segment to go. We'll wrap up the show on the other side in the locker room on SNR and ESPN Pittsburgh. the locker room with Tunch and Wolf presented by Neighborhood Ford Store. The Ford F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now here's Tunch and Wolf. You've got Wolf and West to close you out here on a Tuesday. You know that that Arthur Motes Wolf, he is big time. He's got some TV things to do. You know, just He is big time. We had all the big timers today, you know. Moats, Bob Labriola, and now you know. Now that now they just get us, Wolf. I mean, eh, you know. I know that's uh, you know. What are you gonna do? <laughs> we're we're scraping the bottom of the barrel with you and me, right? Or just me? Let's just put no, it that way. No, now right? stop so, it. Now stop oh, it. it the, now you get in the bottom of the barrel with me. There you go, my friend. You know what? I I like to think. I like to think. More so, Wolf. You know what? I'll go the other way. I'll say you and I are like the vintage reserve. You know, you got to wait a little bit longer. You got to let it settle a little bit. But eventually you get just the two of us and it goes down smooth, baby. Well, you know what you got when you got moldy cheese? You got blue cheese, right? There you go. That's right. A couple tweets here you we know. can get to to uh, to close out the show. Wolf, uh, some nice oh, right. some nice tweets about that last segment. Um, G-Rob tweets us and says, I'm sure all fan bases think they have a good but listening to SNR this morning, it struck me seriously how blessed we are as Steelers fans to have the likes of Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler, Bob Labriola, Tunch and Wolf, Merrill Hodge, amongst many others. It's awesome. Here we go. Yeah. And, you know, Wolf, I, I say this often. We're very fortunate as well, too. I mean, not many football teams. You know, there, there's maybe only two or three other organizations that we could be doing something like this for, you know what I mean? That, that have the type of fan right. base that craves football. That's as, as national and as global as Steelers nation is. And so we always appreciate the kind words and, and I'm sure you as well too, Wolf. We're, we're very thankful for, for everybody that tunes in because if they weren't, we wouldn't be doing this. Exactly. So my friend, you know, it is a humbling thing to acknowledge and that people would say they're interested enough to take part and, and take time from their day and listen to the information and to the guests and to all the, the people. And so it is very humbling and it's a very kind thing. And I appreciate the tweets. The fact of the matter is it's, it's fun. We all celebrate yeah. this, the love for Steelers, you know, the love for Steelers nation. Uh, it's, I always looked at the show that Tunch and I did that you and Wes do. It's not like a regular radio show because right. it belongs to the Steelers fan base, you know, we're just kind of there trying to orchestrate and stimulate and be able to um, 
you know, disseminate information, not trying to be poetic here. But sure. the fact is, you know, you, you want to bring information, but you also want to be a clearinghouse and a place where Steelers Nation can come in, talk, and, you know, just voice their concerns sure. or their, their Unwind delight. Unwind and have a little fun. Absolutely. No question about it. So, you know, it's greatly appreciated when people take uh, time from their busy days to uh, listen in and tweet and just let us know that uh, they're appreciative and also to call. And when, you know, they call and they state their opinions, yep. it's like I always say, everybody, you know, there's no, there's no stupid, stupid questions. There's a lot of stupid answers, which I'm <laughs> capable of delivering. But there's no stupid questions or anything like that, you know? You and me both, brother. You and me both. Uh, last one here, Wolf. We've got about 60 seconds. David tweets, I just got into an argument that mojination is a real word adopted into the Pittsburgh language. Wolf's got my back on this, right? Absolutely, brother. I got you, okay? Um, you got to have that mojination. No doubt about it. I didn't graduate Syracuse University, but I got your back linguistically, Okay. <laughs> Well, that'll do it for uh, for Wolf and I here. We'll be back in just a few minutes to tee you up and lead you in to the Mike Tomlin press conference. Uh, thanks to Arthur Motes for joining us earlier, Bob Labriola, and everybody who chimed in throughout these two hours. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow for, uh, for another episode with Wolf, Motes, and Euler. But again, coming up next, you'll hear from Mike Tomlin right here on ESPN Pittsburgh, SNR, and the Steelers Radio Network.